Welcome to the official Ronnie Landis podcast show, where you learn to upgrade the human experience through natural nutrition, lifestyle design, and consciousness engineering. This is no ordinary health or personal growth podcast, and Ronnie Landis is definitely no ordinary host. Ronnie Landis is an integrative nutritionist, transformation coach, and human behavioral specialist. He brings on some of the world's leading thought leaders to deliver to you the most cutting-edge information and unique perspectives so you can create the life of your dreams. Get ready to receive your upgrade in all you believed was possible, starting now. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the official Ronnie Landis podcast show. And of course, I am your host, Ronnie Landis. We have an incredible interview lined up for you today, as always. And my guest in this episode is Isabella Konold. And Isabella is one of a kind, to say the very least. This interview actually happened quite a while ago. I want to say like four months ago or something like that. And I won't really go into detail of why it was such a long time ago. I will really just touch base on the fact that She gave a performance that I went to and it blew my heart wide open at what she shared and her artistic medium of spoken word and performance, public performance, was such an amazing theatrical and heart-based storytelling expression of some of the, the trials and transformations that she had gone through in her life. And how she went from the bottom of the bucket, as some people might say, her her fall from grace, if you will, and how she ascended to where she is now today as a leader, as a as a spokesperson for female empowerment and really just um, a champion of the human spirit. This was such a great interview because it was coming off the tail end of me witnessing her in all her glory and then coming into it with that fresh on my mind, fresh in my heart. And this was a very high spirited, very inspirational journey that she took us on. She took me on and that she's now going to take you on into the depths of the human spirit and really, you know, how she went from... um, just the trials of her life, just through trials and error, as we do, stumbling, falling along the way, figuring it out as we go along, to finding out what her true divine purpose and dharma was. And it's the work that she does so magnificently here in the world. So without further ado, let's dive in with Isabella Konold. Isabella Konold is a muse of the agony and ecstasy of life. She uses grit and guts to create raw, edgy performance art to light up the dark corners of herself and the world. She is fueled by the desire to get real, to reveal, and to heal. Isabella is a performance artist, speaker, writer, director, and producer. She facilitates workshops, groups, and intimate retreats using the creative process to turn pain into power and purpose. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Um, It's an honor, actually. And we were just chatting a little bit before we hopped on here and recorded, and I was just sharing with you a lot of powerful things that were coming up leading up to this interview. 
And what I thought would be really amazing for the audience that's going to be listening to this, and this audience is a pretty eclectic group of people, very sophisticated, very, you know, even esoteric, like kind of riding the edges of all different areas of health and lifestyle and personal development. There's probably a lot of entrepreneurs. There's a lot of spiritually focused people and then there's a lot of just people that are just tuning in just for whatever whatever brought them to this type of uh conversation and so leading into this i have to say and for all of you listening um i just want to let all of you know especially all of you that have been following my work that this is a this is going to be a really unique conversation because my guest is does some really unique work in the world and I had the honor of being at your show the other day or like about a week ago right and you put on this amazing performance that like your bio said was edgy gritty raw Mm -hmm. vulnerable inspiring and it gave me a completely different perspective of I almost want to say a different perspective of the feminine experience, but also of my own masculine experience and how I relate to my own feminine side and how I relate to the feminine of the world mm. and the opposite sex. And it really was revealing. It was it was vulnerable for me and um, it was deeply touching. I think I'm still integrating some of it. So it's perfect timing that you and me would be sitting here. So mm. um, anyways, I I want to, before you share with all of us kind of the message behind your work, what your work is really about, there was something interesting in your bio that struck me, and I want to get your perspective on it. What does it mean to be a muse of agony and ecstasy? So, well, thanks for asking that. A muse of the agony and the ecstasy is, for me, I have allowed and asked for all of the most beautiful, pleasurable, blissful experiences and all of the most agonizing, terrifying, painful experiences to be the vessel for which, through which I create my art. Mm. And not just creating my art, but through which I actually get to have the experience of being alive, but taking that on intentionally and consciously, not just being, um, not just allowing the painful and the pleasure to happen, but really using the pain and the pleasure for purpose. Wow. Does that answer your question? Definitely. Definitely. And that, that's what comes through in, in what I saw from your work and, um, It's interesting. I think that's what a lot of us are experiencing right now, that combo of like powerful ecstasy and pleasure and and, um, fulfillment, right? And then also on the other scale of that is like this this deep, you know, agony of sorts, like this agony of going through our own soul's journey and, and certain belief systems being shattered on the riverbanks of reality yes. and, and like really intense experiences, even if they're only internal experiences. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I kind of like some of that crept in thinking back on, on your performance. Mm. And, um, so maybe you can share with all of us listening, especially everybody listening. What is the work that you do essentially? 
Yeah, thanks. So, <laughs> it's not listed in any job course, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. And you don't, you don't apply for this one. Uh, so what, in essence, what I do specifically is to, I, well, I do many things, but what, what you saw was a one-woman show that I wrote out of the experiences of my own life. So that's sort of the, the what, Uh, the bigger picture is I actually, and this goes back to the question about the agony and the ecstasy and being amused is I have, and I didn't do this intentionally. This didn't happen on purpose. This was very much, uh, spirit working in a magical, sacred, unpredictable way that had this work be birthed. Mm. I never thought about it in terms of like, this is what I'm going to do. Uh, I ended up using the experiences in my life that had caused me the most pain. Mm. And I turned those into stage performances, um, in a monologue style. And what ended up happening was I didn't even realize this until I was partway through the process that I was actually healing myself. And I, at some point realized that I was healing myself in ways that no other modality ever had. Mm. And I've participated in a lot of different kinds, you know, lots of different types of work, whether it's personal development or personal growth or therapeutic type, more psychological Mm. uh, access points. And this created an access point that was unlike anything I had ever found. And I, do you want to, should, yes, should I tell you yes. how it, how, like Please, the, yes. how it happened I, part? That's coming up. Yeah. Okay, perfect. So I had, uh, two years ago, I had a birthday in October and for my year I created, this is going to be the year of the feminine and the year of creativity. Mm. And I was so committed to, I am going to finally once and for all heal all of the parts of myself that show up as masculine that actually aren't serving me anymore. Mm. And that's all part of my story, this, you know, overdeveloped masculine that was just actually destroying me. And so I was fully committed to embodying my femininity and my softness and reclaiming the, you know, the, 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 the sweetness that I used to have and really diving into my creativity, like no joke, like as a bigger expression than I've ever experienced. I'd already been doing performance art. I'd already been creating my own pieces, but this was sort of a, I didn't even know what it meant when I created this. This was just my year. And so two, well, that was October. I also declared by the end of the year, I would be pregnant, mm. which I was, I, uh, for right two days before Christmas, we found out we were pregnant mm. and I thank you. I was like, thank you, spirit. I just manifested the epitome of femininity, the epitome of creativity. Like what is bigger than creation and creating a life? So here we go. We have like, I'm fully in my feminine power. I'm pregnant. I am in the world of creation. Like life's great. You know, Mm. my birthday intentions are already like they're fast and they're furious. And wow, like spirits were really working through me. And then about nine weeks later, we found out that the baby didn't make it and I didn't get it. Mm. I just didn't get it. Like what, 
why did this go down like this? Not just the why of the losing the baby, but in terms of the the creation, the creativity and the femininity, like it didn't make sense. Like this doesn't, isn't in alignment with that. You know, I just, I didn't get it. And I began to sit down and look for the lessons and I started journaling like crazy. And I could see that the grief, the grief and the vulnerability of the grief was actually very feminine Mm. and allowing myself to be so open and so seen in that way with like no armor. There was nothing to protect me. Like I was destroyed. Mm. Mm. So I, I couldn't even, I couldn't even grab the masculine parts that I used to use for protection. They just weren't available to me. I was so raw. And so, so my intellectual mind was like, okay, I can get that. All right, spirit. Like you're delivering a different form of femininity. Not one I probably would have chosen or foreseen, but I can, I can be, I can say yes to that. I can say yes to that. I did not get the creativity piece though. I just didn't understand how losing this baby was contributing to my creativity. And yeah, yeah, it was, it was really a blow. And I began to, through my journaling, I actually began to write the story of my pregnancy and my miscarriage. And it was really in the form of a book. Um, which I, I ended up not, not doing anything with, but it, it came out as a, as a memoir. And that was the true birth of this process. And like I said, even though I had already been doing other types of performance art that were my story before then, this was real time. Like this was in the moment processing, dealing with my grief as it's happening. And it was the most powerful gift I could have ever given myself. And I didn't even know I was giving it to myself. It just was happening and I couldn't stop it. Um, And it was, I had to say yes to, to being in the pain and reliving it. And, and every Mm. sentence I wrote was part, you know, was that, pain being expressed or relived. And it was beautiful. It was beautiful. And it also allowed me to actually, I just realized this right now as I'm speaking to you, I don't think I ever even had awareness around this before, but it allowed me to have a relationship with that baby Mm. that I didn't get to have. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of the long, I don't even know what the question was anymore. (laughs) No, it doesn't matter. That was beautiful. Um, And wow, does that bring so many things up? One of the things that popped into my head is, is this, this very relative theme around healing, Mm -hmm. the the universal theme of healing, because we're all healing something right through the, through the process of living. We're also going through this process of healing. And in my world that, usually looks like healing some kind of physical trauma, which obviously mm-hmm. has an emotional linkage to it. It has some kind of psyche um, 
issue, if you will, or some kind of some kind of thought form or belief system that that is attached itself to an emotion, mm-hmm. and then we call that a trigger or whatever. And then that can trigger physical symptoms, oftentimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where a lot of my work comes from. And it's interesting. This thought just came to my mind while listening to you about in order to heal it, you have to reveal it and feel it. And a lot of times, because we live in a medicated society, we are attempting to numb the the feeling part. It's like, okay, I can see it. I can reveal it. But then it comes to like really feeling it. Yeah. Ooh, that's, you know, we can do it to a certain point, but then it starts to, to rub against our nerves and our whatever is going on with us. And mm-hmm. um, that's what came up for me is like your ability to feel the pain. And then, and then somehow that was turned into a creative outlet. Yeah. Um, thanks for that beautiful and very relevant spin. I, I'm a number as well. Mm-hmm. So I would be lying if I said that I was a full yes to feeling the pain. I think the everyone time. listening to this probably has traveled that road too. We've all got a little, yeah. a little numbage in us. Yeah. Uh, there's both yeah there is definitely uh there's definitely a very beautiful spiritual experience in saying yes to the pain and being with it and allowing it to not have a timeline Mm. letting the pain come through as long as it needs to especially with grief I don't I didn't know anything about grief before this I haven't had a lot of people pass and on in my life I've been um, that thankfully hasn't been something I've experienced much of this was really new to me mm. so to allow myself to let it out for as long as it needed to be let out and in waves and cycles and 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 really sitting with that and being with that and I mean, the, the process of the writing, whether it's book form or script form or, you know, whatever it is, it's an intense journey. It really is. There's, it's no joke. Like this isn't like going to the office and creating an app and selling a piece of technology. You know, this is like life, real life turned upside down, kind of 24 seven in the process. It's really, Mm. it's, it's, I don't think it's for everyone, but, uh, and, and bless the heart of my honey who has to like, be with me when I'm doing all of this. But, uh, then there are times when I completely shut down and I numb out and I don't want to do it anymore. And I engage in, you know, uh, one of a number of unhealthy things. This still comes up for you. Oh, for sure. Okay. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know if we were talking just like as through the process or your current life experience. Both. Yeah. I think that's, by the way, I think that's really important for everybody to get is that just because I'm in the position I am or, or you or anyone else that's on this show or any show, we all have to bring it back to the fact that we're all human. Yeah. And just because someone is, is in a position of influence means nothing compared to their humanness. That's so right. It's so easy for us to to glamorize people in positions of power or influence or whatever we consider fame or spotlight to be. Mm. And I am the first to call myself out on my insane amount of humanness. <laughs> yeah, I think it's important to remember because I, I can be the same way. I will idolize people and 
and, and feel bad about myself. And I, and then I, you know, then I check in and I'm like, Oh man, you got some shit too, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 So thanks for bringing that up because I really, I think it is really important that we remember that. And especially as entrepreneurs and spiritual people and healers and in conscious conversation and, and really committed to a path of evolution. It's so easy for us to be not enough all the time because there's always (laughs) someone doing amazing things. Yeah. I mean, we're surrounded by amazing Mm. individuals and it's really easy to compare and contrast and make ourselves wrong. Um, I'm going off on a little direction here, but I just, you know, I just want to um, anchor in what you said that we're all in our unique journey and we're all brilliant and bright and we're all also having little pieces of darkness that we're dealing with. Mm, Yeah. Well, it's, it's so relevant. It's so relevant. Not just like, um, I guess us and the proximity that we are, you know, in Southern California to like the whole entrepreneurial and quote unquote yeah. spiritual community and, and, um, but just people in general, cause all it's my, everywhere. all my clients that I work with deal with the similar issues of, of yeah. not enoughness and, and not being enough to not deserving love and deserving success and deserving to feel like they, um, can be proud of themselves, you know, these underlining issues that are systemically affecting people yeah. everywhere. It basically starts when we're two years old, <laughs> if not earlier. Sure. No one is immune. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's one of the pieces that I do my best to bring into my work is mm. shining light on the humanity that lives inside of all of us. And even though our stories are different, they're all the same themes. Yeah. And what my hope and intention is for the work that I do is to give permission for people to feel what's real for them and it be okay to have our human experience that is gnarly sometimes. It's just gnarly. Mm. And being in story and learning each other's stories, it's like an automatic strengthening of our compassion muscles because there's no Mm, way you can look at another human being and hear their story and not grow love for them i mean you you're you could you're probably really shut down in your own heart which is like then we need to hear your story so we can have love for you but Mm. but really the the intimacy that gets created through sharing ourselves and we all know this we just don't do it you know, or, or we <laughs> censor it or what, you know, we, we, yeah. we human it, we, we, we do the human thing with it, but, uh, the, the intimacy and the connection that comes with opening ourselves and sharing our stories, our truth, our past, our fears, we know that's an automatic connector. And so through my work, I do my best to open my story so that we can have compassion for each other as a whole. I truly believe, I truly believe that storytelling, I actually don't really love that word, but, uh, but, but sharing the inside parts of ourselves and receiving those from others is access to world peace. I really do. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we knew the stories of and the lives of people who are doing things like um, blowing themselves up or yes. even, you know, with all, everything going on now politically, while I'm, you know, certainly not supportive of this election, 
I, I don't know the details of this man's life. You know, he is the way he is for a very particular reason. Absolutely. And I can have compassion for that, even though I don't want him in office. I can still have compassion for the human being that he is. Mm-hmm. And when we begin to see each other for our human stories and our heartbreaks and our fears and our not good enoughs, then we can begin to have compassion for the not so good choices that we make. Yeah, that was really well put. Hmm. Okay, so my next question is, why did you call your, I I find it funny that I'm using the word performance. Maybe you have a better word, but Um, that's what it appeared to me, like a really amazing performance. I know there's probably a different word for that. I haven't found one that fully, uh, that like really gets it okay. yet. So we can, st- we can, I'm not offended by that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but I, so, I hear you. So why did you call it a pilgrimage of embodiment? So a pilgrimage of embodiment for me, my, my personal story has been a story that has been very much related to my body in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. whether it was, sexual trauma when I was a little kid or feeling like my only value and worth came from my body or my ability to perform or please other people or losing, well, as you know, from the show, more than one pregnancy, um, to coming into a place of full embodiment that brings in a new relationship with my body Mm. where I, who I am now as a woman, as an evolving woman, as a more conscious woman, that has been a journey, a full journey of embodiment. And it really has been a pilgrimage in the sense of, um, I mean, when I think of pilgrimage, I think of like, that's a soul mission. Yeah. It's a soul journey. And I didn't actually know that it was a pilgrimage or even a journey for most of my life until I began to wake up. I just thought like this shit's happening to me. And then as I, as I began to integrate the different parts of myself and as I began to allow myself to be with my shame, Mm-hmm. And it is an ever-evolving thing, right? By no means would I say I'm fully embodied. I don't know that any of us ever are while we're in human form. but Or, or even what that means to different people. But to me, it is, it is a, a constant journey. And the more I can allow myself to be with the different parts of myself, the parts that I love and the parts that I don't love, and it's just like sitting when I'm writing my scripts and being with it and allowing myself to feel the feelings and allowing them to flow through the more that shame disappears. Mm. It, it just mm. dies off. There's no place for it anymore. And there, there's a particular confidence and sense of embodiment that can only be born when shame dies. And so that, that's the embodiment piece for me, is bringing forth the physical body, the spiritual body, the emotional body, the, the feminine body, the... Um, the one body Mm. to live peacefully. Mm. 
within itself. I get the feeling this 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 idea this notion that we all have surrounding shame. Mm-hmm. The way that I experienced, at least today, I had a particular experience where I really, I had an insight where I realized that so much of my distress is due to procrastination Mm. and procrastinating in ways that I never would have before. Mm. Like I'm procrastinating, not writing my next book. I've written two books fully published. So I don't have any fear around that. It's very irrational, yet it's tied to something. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a dam in the flow of my energy, and I've been holding on to this, and it's been kind of bugging me for a while. Mm-hmm. And I was over at Swami's Beach um, at sunrise, and I was just, like, getting this idea. I was like, wow, like, I just feel like I'm procrastinating. And it's like, it hit me. I was like, there's, there's like a, there's like a, um, there's an, um, what's the word? I don't know if it's a technical term, but... Um, uh, anticipation anxiety Mm -hmm. like the actual the actual discomfort or even shame if you will whatever I don't know whatever that feeling that inhibits me or us is in the anticipation however and this came up from something that you shared is that once I do the thing I just move through it Mm -hmm. and I don't entertain it long for as long as it takes me to not do it I just do the thing Mm -hmm. The, 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 the distress goes away and mm-hmm. I start to feel once I get over that little, like, you know, Stephen Pressfield calls it the resistance and you just get in the game and you go with the flow. And then finally you're like, you're in flow. And then there's like the self-respect that comes up because I did the thing that I told myself to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's interesting. That's what came up for me listening to what you just shared as you, as you're sharing your experience of, of of healing yourself essentially by going through mm-hmm. and this creative process that uh, essentially used you i guess mm-hmm. for this demonstration yeah <laughs> there's you just said so much uh yes i i feel like i got used i will say that in the most beautiful sense of the word um the other thing i heard you say was well, with the procrastination piece, uh, I procrastinator after my own heart. <laughs> fully get it. Yeah. Lots of shame can be attached to the procrastination. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what one of the things I've learned though uh, for myself is that sometimes there is this procrastination, whether it's for anticipation or whatever it is, and sometimes we're actually not ready to be doing whatever the thing is. So it shows up as procrastination, Uh. but it's actually, I, I believe spirit's way of being like, there's, you're actually not ready to do that. It's like, so it's like, okay, this is really good for me to hear too. And probably for everyone to hear, because we beat ourselves up all the time about it. But there's a distinction, Mm -hmm. very important distinction is Mm -hmm. that sometimes it's just a seed in the soil of our mind. Right. It's not necessarily something that you have to dive into right now. Right. Right. And I think only we get to determine that. And we sometimes Mm -hmm. don't know because we don't know the divine plan, right? right? Like we don't know. (laughs) So we can make it mean whatever. But I, I, there was many years where I made myself so wrong, beat myself up like, you know, hardcore for not doing the things that I thought were important to me, not doing what I considered part of my soul mission. 
But in retrospect, had I actually done those, they actually, I wouldn't be where I am now because that wasn't my mission. Mm. I thought it was at the time, but it wasn't. So what occurred as procrastination was actually me being prepared for what I was really going to do. So that was one piece that, uh, that I, I heard in, in what you were sharing. And the other thing I just wanted to say was that sometimes it's hard to step into that fear. Yeah. You know, the, yeah. the fear that it sounds easy, it right? Sounds it's easy. like, Oh, just, Oh, just stiff, feel it, reveal it, whatever. Just jump into it. Yeah. It's or like that thing scares me. So I'm just going to attack it head on. Yeah. And sometimes we do. And yeah. that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's really scary. And I, yeah. I actually, um, I would have never done that show if my closest circle didn't stand for me. That, that show was scary. You know, I revealed some really intimate parts of myself and I had many, many conversations as to why that wasn't a good idea, whether they were conscious conversations or unconscious conversations. Mm. And along with the conversation that it doesn't really matter, like no one really wants to hear your drama, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> that was one of the conversations. Uh-huh. Like, who do you think you are? You know? Right. Yeah. Oof. And it, it, my tribe stood for me to birth that piece, that production. And so I share that because sometimes we do need support. You know, sometimes those, that fear is so big, whether we even are aware of it or not, that it, and then again, it shows up like procrastination, right. Or some other disempowering Mm. conversation. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we just need to be seen and reflected to by the people that know our greatness and know our power and know our strength and know our, what we have to serve or how we're here to serve to say, Hey, no more playing small, like get up and go give your gifts to the world. And we're actually not going to sit down until we see you do that. Uh, Yeah. yeah. So I just, I brought that in because both, both there's both, they're both true. Like sometimes we just need to take out our sword and, and hack fear in the face. And sometimes we need a little support. Mm. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Mm. So there's two there's two kind of directions that come up for me. Um but to to round off on this conversation, I'm curious what you would say your central message is that you're trying to communicate through your performances. Mm. That's such a great question. And there are a few different yeah. themes. One is what I already shared with you around the intimacy and the connection that comes through sharing ourselves as access to like a much bigger conversation of connection to our fellow human brothers and sisters all over the world. So that's one piece. Uh, the other piece is, or one of the other pieces is truly how do we transform our deepest pains into our deepest powers and our deepest purpose. And that's one of the, one, the, one of the other pieces that I found along this journey is that what seemed to be the, the hardest, most challenging, painful pieces of my life are actually directly informing my purpose. And through this process have mm. been able to turn that pain into a real sense of power. And 
again, giving people permission to feel their feelings and to say yes to their journeys, to say yes, because our journeys have been our journeys. There is no changing that. We do not have the power to do that. Mm -hmm. So we can either resist it or be upset about it, or we can fully claim yes. Mm. And I feel like if we as individuals said yes to what our paths have been, we would be a much different world. For sure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So those are a few of the, mm. a few of the pieces. And then there's then some more specific are, uh, even though our stories, you know, the details are different. Um, but it is really my honor and my privilege to express the feminine yeah. and to have a deeper understanding and compassion for both the wounded feminine and the embodied empowered feminine. Yeah. That's, that's a really great. I'm glad you just brought that up because for everyone listening, they, I'm sure you guys will go online and check out some of the the stuff out there and, and hopefully be much more exposed to your specific work. Um, however, I really like the fact that you just brought in that concept of the wounded feminine because you know, as much as we're, uh, some of us are aware of that idea, like the obviousness of it, I am actually more familiar, or let me rephrase that. I hear the wounded masculine talked about a lot more mm. than I hear the wounded feminine. Although as a man, I'm more aware of the wounded feminine. Like to me, mm. like, and I've spent, I was raised by women. I grew up with women. I, so I like, I guess I have a different maybe sneak peek mm-hmm. <laughs> into some of that than yeah. maybe a lot of other men. However, for me personally, I just found that like as simplistic as it just sounded, there's a lot there. And that's really like maybe when I was watching you and a lot of the other men, like I think the first five people that shared, that spoke after your presentation were men. Yeah. And we and like I, as I was telling you before we hopped on here, I was like, I was literally talking myself into my point because I was somehow not able to articulate exactly this thing inside of me coming up that was so raw and real and yet so like there was like a healing occurring, but it seems so Mm nonlinear. And I was trying to somehow relate it to this thing that I'm witnessing and, and experiencing. So anyways... Can, can you share that? Because this is kind of the direction I wanted to go with the last bit of time we had is um, just masculine, feminine, and maybe more so feminine dynamics as it relates to, um, you know, anything that comes up for you. But, you know, maybe even that idea of the wounded femu- feminine, what does that mean to you? What does the wounded feminine mean to me? Sure. Well, I mean, I think the wounded feminine and the wounded masculine – are it's, it's, it's no different right but it's right. the disempowered parts okay. of uh for the feminine what what shows up as disempowered parts and specifically for me i happened to embody a very particular wounded feminine archetype and that was so the, there's so there's there's different ones that you're aware of Oh yeah. Okay. I mean, and I don't think there's any fact to this. There's no right or wrong. Right, there's no right. definition, but <laughs> there's, um, 
and and I think you know there's a different answer to this depending on who you ask. But sure. for my from my experience as a woman, or really as a human being, yes, I see the wounded feminine showing up in many many okay. different ways, just like the wounded masculine. Sure. You know, mm-hmm. um, and my particular wounded feminine archetype showed up as hypersexual, very promiscuous, um, very hard tough, shut down Mm. and catty. Um, I'm sure you've heard conversations about how, you know, women on women and how we're our worst. I I definitely perpetuated that. And I had no idea. I had no idea what I, I wasn't conscious of any of it. And one of the And that, I mean, most people get judged, you know, for one thing or another, but that particular archetype has a lot of judgment mm. just as culturally. She's a slut. She's this, she's that. Yeah. Um, but if we look a little deeper, you can immediately find that there is a whole history of things that created that. And so one of the, one of the pieces that's such a, such an honor for me is, um, putting the spotlight on, on that. And, and hopefully as a result of people witnessing my work, they can be more compassionate to the people they meet on the street, you know, uh, and, and themselves and each other. And one of the most beautiful pieces of feedback I ever got was from a man who came up to me and he said, um, I've never understood women until now. Mm. And I want to be a better husband to my wife. I want to be a better man to the women in this world. Mm. And that is like, oh, mm. I couldn't think of any, like, that's why I do this work. I didn't even know that's why I did this work. Cause I didn't even know that that had that impact. Yeah. But if that was the only thing that ever came out of my work, my God, it would be plenty Mm. to open ourselves up to the opposite sex to like get a little glimpse into the inner workings that is so needed in this world. And that's the other kind of magic I think about this particular kind of work is that, (laughs) You know, like if you take health, for example, you know, if you do this and you do this, this is going to happen. And if I teach you this program, then you're going to get these results and blah, blah, blah. Right. With my kind of work, it is so unpredictable. Yeah. What people are going to experience. So unpredictable. (laughs) And that's one of the things that I love is that I'm completely surprised by parts that get unlocked. I would have no idea. And so when I look at my conversations around don't share that that's too vulnerable or you know, that's when I'm like, Nope, got to do it uh-huh. because look at what's, you don't know. You don't know. Yeah. yeah. So, and that's my invitation, I guess my invitation to anyone listening today is to deepen into how can you begin to share more of yourself mm. in a way that might feel a little uncomfortable or a little edgy or a little vulnerable because it's, it's a gift inward and it's a gift outward and we all want it and we're all waiting for it. We all want to be seen. Totally. So how can we just begin to share a little bit more? Mm. 
We want to be connected so badly in the world right now. We're dying for connection. And yet our actions create more and more and more disconnection. Mm. And this is one little thing that we have total control over. We have total control over opening and sharing. Mm. No one can take that from us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say that whenever you have some kind of resistance like that, like the procrastination example, that resistance is likely... Um, it's likely a signpost. It's like, it's telling you what you need to do, but we misinterpret it because it feels uncomfortable. So we were like, Oh no, I'm not supposed to do that because it doesn't feel good. Yeah. Right. But the reality is like, no, that's actually why you do it because you're here to grow. And this is part of the growing there, you know, to, (laughs) to use a mainstream, uh, saying no pain, no gain, you know, there's some truth to that. There is some truth to the fact that I will say the the biggest, the most magic, the biggest evolution, the most powerful things have happened with the biggest amounts of discomfort. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's awesome. Yeah. It doesn't feel good in the moment for sure. But when we talk about the magic happening outside of our comfort zone, it that truly is where it happens. It truly is where it happens. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with being comfortable, but it does get boring after a while. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why we were drop shipped on this planet in the first place. Yes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is the most ridiculous situation you could ever imagine. It's ridiculous. Like I just see people mm-hmm. like with the whole the whole election thing and with Donald Trump and I'm just looking at people and they're like they're just their reactions. Like I'm not even worried. Like I, you know, it's a little, little tangent, but I really actually am not worried about anything in the, the oval office, same old, same old, as far as I'm concerned, I'm actually more paying attention to people yeah, and their reaction and their, their behavior around it. Cause it's, it's a macro example of the, the more micro reactionary behaviors that I think each one of us, um, but certainly most people or many people, let's just say, um, in society are kind of like they're, they're, they're habituated to like yeah. reacting to everything because you're uncomfortable or because yeah. it doesn't fit your rigid perspective of how things should be. Well, and I also feel like this is a direct reflection of this whole conversation that mm-hmm. we've just had, which is people's unexpressed pain sure. shows up yeah, yes. as attack that, yes. because people can't be with their own pain. Mm. They, they don't know how to look at themselves. They don't know how to say, where am I inside of this? Like how, what, what's my role here or, right. or have any internal reflection. Everything is outward fingers pointing, fingers pointing. Sure. And it's just more testimony for how deeply we need to be seen and heard. those unexpressed pains need to be expressed and and it comes out sideways sometimes the universe is gonna like hit this like evolutionary button that just like it just looks like oh my god this is it's over now i mean this is it it. and it could be i mean literally this country could (laughs) self-destruct it's certainly in the world of possibility given what just happened and if that's what's meant to happen then that's what's going to happen and nothing is going to stop that from happening and inside of that we just get to keep doing our work that right. That's all we can do, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that's brilliant. And I'm sure with your experience in your life, there were probably many times where you thought it was over. Or like Literally. it was so bleak that and the pain was so tremendous that it's like 
you know, I just could only possibly imagine like not being able to see a way out. Total hopelessness, total despair. And I was lucky enough that I got out of that. I actually have been in that many times, but I was lucky enough that I got out of it, but some people aren't. Right. And, and, and that is a, that's a very, that's a very hard place to be. I mean, to be angry is one thing to be mad, to be sad, but hopeless Mm. is that's another, we're talking, that's like, that's another level. And one of the things that I think is so necessary for the, the, the anti-venom to hopelessness is love. Mm. And a lot of people don't have support, you know, they really don't. So it's no wonder that all this shit is happening. I happen to have an incredible amount of love in my life and always have. And so when I couldn't love myself and I was literally, there was times when I was suicidal, I had people pull me out of the hole, but some people don't have that. So whether it's hopelessness or anger or whatever, um, you know, a lot of people just don't know that there's any other way to do life. Right. They don't. Mm. Mm. So we have to be that as much as we can for other people. And I don't want to sound like some, you know, we have to be love. But really, if we can, if we can try just like 1% more every day to create more compassion and love yeah. for the people who don't have that or potentially are, who are angry, they're angry for a reason. Yeah, well, this isn't like, this isn't like, this conversation isn't like love through, you know, like some kind of like woo-woo or some kind of ungrounded. This is like love through trial and error. Yeah, for sure. Which is, to me, is real. Yeah, yeah. You know, like earned. Like nothing in life is is worth having if it's not worth earning, right? Mm -hmm. Well, hey, look, like love and light is great, but love and light is also like a labor, you know? It is. It is. It's it's hard to love sometimes. It is so challenging. And for people who are in an intimate relationship, you know that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> How can I love you and hate you so much at the same time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it is. It's I mean, I think that's the it's the most courageous work we can do. It really is. Yeah. Wow. What a wow. That's amazing. Um, Is there any final words that you'd like to share with everyone? Um, I think what just came through for me when you said that is, and and at risk of sounding a little bit cliche, what came through for me really strongly is just having a little bit more compassion for ourselves and Mm. our journeys it's not easy. It's not easy. And we make it a lot harder than it has to be. Every step of the way. Every step of the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that's actually one other little final thought that I would, yeah. that I'll share is, uh, the one step, the every step of the way and one step at a time mm. that we can't rush our journeys. We cannot rush. We are where we are and that's it. And we can continue to walk in the direction that we want to go and where we want to be, but we cannot get somewhere faster than we're meant to be there. And I, I learned that the hard way. I mean, I definitely beat myself up for a long time, not being or doing the things that I thought I was supposed to do and be. And 
this journey is a crazy, crooked, wild path. It is not a straight line. No, not at all. So to trust that the seeds have been planted and they'll sprout when they're meant to sprout. Yes. That's faith, right? When, When everything else fails, technology fails, intellectualism and science and whatever, these things that we rely upon for, for certainty, they dissolve, then all we really are left with is faith. And yet in the invisibility of faith, it's it's gives us a visibility that paradoxically allows us to see more, and yeah. yet we can't necessarily touch it, right? Right, right. And likewise, how maybe life just crumbles, I mean, if maybe your life just crumbles Mm. or people who experience, you know, losing a a, a living child or a partner, Mm. uh, you know, that's when, my God, I Mm. bow to the people that can find faith because Mm. what's, we have nothing else. Yeah. Mm. Where can everybody (laughs) find your work? Oh, thank you. Uh, IsabellaConnell.com is my website, and uh, more will be revealed. Beautiful. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me, Ronnie. Mm, My pleasure. That was great. Yep. And for everyone else listening, thank you once again for attending another episode of the official Ronnie Landis podcast show. Yeah. Yeah, and what a show this was. Wow. I'm, um, well, I'm luckily lost for words because that doesn't happen often and that often makes for a much longer show. So Mm. this is perfect. I really just, if you're still listening to this, you obviously resonated with this deeply. And the beautiful thing about a show like this is that it's free and you can keep listening to it over and over. And there is a lot here to, to excavate for your own heart and your own journey. So I'm super grateful to be a part of it, and I'm grateful for all of you to be a part of the the journey as well, and until next time.